SCP-7584, A Brief History of Artwork in the Tentong Empire. Object Class, Safe. Special Containment Procedures. SCP-7584 is to be stored in Collection Vault 4 at Site 109, a specialized containment unit used by the Anart History Department, which monitors and automatically balances humidity and temperature for optimal long-term storage. All non-anomalous instances can be viewed with approval from a junior member of Anart History staff. Anomalous instances require approval from Dr. Morthy. Description SCP-7584 is the collective designation for 505 artworks. SCP-7584 apparently originates from the Tentong Empire, a seemingly non-existent nation-state dominant in Central Europe during the latter ages of the Era of Names and throughout the entirety of the Era of Holes. Footnote 1. According to SCP-7584-1. The legitimacy of SCP-7584 remains unconfirmed. Whilst the majority of objects within the collection are mundane artworks, many SCP-7584 instances display anomalous properties. However, these instances typically fall within the acceptable boundaries of a safe class designation. SCP-7584 was discovered at the Statens Museum für Kunst, footnote 2, Denmark's National Art Gallery, during the construction of its new extension. Sections of the original gallery were closed off, and the artworks were then loaned to other museums for the duration of construction. On April 7, 1998, security staff discovered that a member of the overnight security team had vanished, and that the sections emptied for their renovations had been filled with SCP-7584. The works were accompanied by several infographic displays and museum labels, referred to as SCP-7584-1. SCP-7584-1 instances were written in both Danish and English and indicate that SCP-7584 instances were part of an exhibit on the history of artistic movements within the Tentong Empire. Apart from the circumstances of their manifestation, SCP-7584-1 instances are non-anomalous. Embedded agents within local law enforcement were able to establish containment and the artworks were transported to the Anart History Department at Site 109. SCP-7584 research is currently focused on determining its origin. Several theories have been put forward by Anart History researchers. SCP-7584 originates from a parallel universe to our own with a diverging history. Researcher Maxwell SCP-7584 comes from a forgotten part of human history which was erased during a CK class restructuring scenario. Researcher Sidney SCP-7584 was created by an Anart group to waste Foundation time and resources by preying on our organization's inherent paranoia. Dr. Morthy The following are a selection of particularly noteworthy items from the SCP-7584 collection and their accompanying SCP-7584-1 instances. More complete documentation is available from Dr. Morthy upon request. Item number 208. The Duke's Retort. Label. Retort is typical of artwork from the late era of names, focusing on literalistic depiction of events. But Mueller's iconic depiction of the writhing Duke's sack of Athens 
makes particularly effective use of chiaroscuro. Footnote 3, an artistic style focusing on the interplay of light and shadow, and serves as an important historical example of art as propaganda. The Duke famously gifted works depicting its great victories to close political rivals. The screams of the philosopher kings as they burned would have served as an effective reminder of the Duke's wrathful temper. Description The scene is set in front of the Parthenon at night. A pyre has been lit, and several bearded men dressed in red togas are tied to it. A group of soldiers are feasting around the burning figures, jeering and insulting them. Sat at the center of the image, with its back to the viewer, is a figure dressed in a uniform closely resembling that of 18th century Prussian military officers. The item's anomalous properties manifest upon being viewed, as the scene begins to animate. The burning figure's cries of pain can be heard, as can the jeers of the soldiers. Viewers often report the smell of burning flesh, although no physical evidence of burning matter has been detected during tests. Despite the fact that the central figure remains stationary and its face therefore remains hidden, a significant portion of viewers describe it as grinning ear to ear. Item number five, tutelage at Pointe Va. Label. Coinciding with the Duke's ascension to the throne, in the beginning of the era of holes was a greater acceptance of oddities within society. Avant-garde artists were among the first to explore this new frontier of culture and science. This meta-visual piece by Muha Rajib caused a great stir when first presented at the Salon de Trage, and reports of nausea and fainting occupied many local papers at the time. Whilst contemporary critics accused Rajib of focusing on gimmicks over actual artistic merit, Tutelage is widely regarded as one of the first examples of a filmic narrative and has secured its place in art canon. Description a dark-skinned man, bearded and dressed in flowing light pink robes, stands in an artist's studio, instructing a class of young pupils on painting techniques. The style is roughly analogous to non-anomalous impressionism. The object's anomalous properties manifest when a subject views it for over 20 seconds and then closes their eyes. This creates a temporary, if vivid, hallucination whereby the viewer perceives themselves inside the studio depicted in the painting. The three-dimensional environment takes on a similar appearance as the original artwork, and the objects and entities within appear to be made out of solid paint. The entities can be interacted with as if they were physical, but do not respond to external stimuli. These entities are fully animate within this hallucination, and the central figure continues to deliver its lecture. However, this lecture is in a currently unknown language. Collaboration with the paralinguistics department is ongoing. Item number 421, Abess at the Covenant of Five Humors. Label, a portrait of the then Abess Abigail Martin. The Five Humors Covenant experienced a resurge of political and spiritual relevance during the era of Hulse, as the Abess became a darling of the ducal court. Rumor at the time maintained that the Abess was one of the few people on the continent that the duke respected, which is impressive considering its capricious nature. This portrait of the abbess hung in the chapel of the covenant until it was stolen during its destruction. It was thought lost until many years later when it was found in a private collection. The abbess was a firm believer in the spiritual potency of human hair cuttings, and braided hair became a popular item among those looking to gain the duke's favor whilst the abbess held influence in court. Description 
The item depicts a middle-aged woman dressed in a nun's habit. Her facial expression and general demeanor is stern and has been described as upsetting by many viewers. This is not currently thought to be anomalous. She holds one hand aloft, from which dangles a rosary. The thread seems to be woven out of hair. Her left arm is placed over her heart. A web of scar tissue covers the back of this hand, seemingly in a specific pattern. Whether this was an intentional work of body modification, as well as its possible cultural relevance, remains unknown. The woman is seated in front of a stained glass window split into five even portions. Four of the portions seem to correspond to classical humoral theory. Footnote 4. The unscientific notion that human health and personality is influenced by imbalances and levels of the four humors. Blood, phlegm, yellow bile, and black bile. Wolst V shows a glowing golden substance pouring forth from the mouth and eyes of a crucified Jesus Christ. Item number 115. A feast fit for worms. Label. Canap was a pioneer of Gefährlicher Kunst, footnote 5, translates to dangerous art, original context unknown. This work was reportedly commissioned by the Graf of Königsberg, an infamous glutton, to serve as a tool for his lavish banquets. The visual oddity contained within the work was intended to inspire intense hunger in its audience allowing them to continue eating and enjoy the banquet for as long as they so desired. It is not known whether the secondary effect of this work was a result of poor workmanship or malicious intent on the part of Canap, although the title of the feast would suggest a distaste for his client. Either way, the aftermath of the so-called Bloody Feast of Konigsberg saw Canap exsanguinated in front of the ducal court. The oddity has since lost much of its potency and is now safe for public viewing. Description. The piece is a large sculpture cast in bronze with painted highlights. A central figure is surrounded by a circular table with towering platters of meats, fruits, and cheeses atop it. The figure is highly obese and is in the midst of consuming food from the table around it. Small cherubic creatures with insectoid features crawl across the figure's body. Viewing the item causes a mild sensation of hunger that fades when it is no longer in view. Item number 195. Cigar case and ducal style, mid-era of holes. Label. With the growing public knowledge of oddities, artisans began to incorporate them into their work. This objet d'art was likely a commission from the Schaefer workshop, indicated by the manufacturer's mark, a mountain range with an open eye. This would serve as an open sign that the owner of this object was in the know and could be approached on occult matters. The cigars inside are packed with specially prepared papers, soaked in the first rain of spring, and then dried in a suitably sanctified chamber. The passing of the seasons is a time of change and opposition, where the membrane of the world thins and can be pierced, with the right tools. Description An ornate cigar case constructed out of mahogany and embellished with an ivory inlay. Inside were seven cigars. Each one has been used up for testing. The cigar label is a deep purple, inscribed with Sanskrit text, which roughly translates to forged in Hyderabad. Testing has shown that the smoke from these cigars caused a minor decrease in local Hume levels. The D-class used in the above test reported auditory hallucinations of mechanical sounds akin to a key in a door.
Item number, 519, Stillbirth. Label, Agatha Clemens' Dreaming Period produced some of her best work. When she returned to the Empire after a long stay at a Mongolian mountain resort, an exhibition was put on of the prolific work she had produced during this time. We feel that her own words describe the intention behind the piece best. I awoke among the reeds. My body felt leaden, and my feet were sunk into the riverbed. I was hidden from view, and I bore witness to something that I should not have. A boat was passing downstream, her occupants hidden under veils. Strange utterances ripped from it. I could not understand its words. They were too crunchy and caught in my throat. But the emotion was clear. Grief. Loss. Something ripped from it. When I awoke for the second time that night, my cheeks were wet with tears. Description. A shadowed figure stands next to a river. It is not reflected in the water. The scene is dark and the river plants seem to glow. Saline fluid constantly manifests in the space around the piece, which is damp to the touch. These puddles will constantly dry and re-manifest, rapidly creating hollow, egg-shaped salt formations. Item number 25. The People Storm Hell's Gates. Label. Painted by an unknown artist who was placed under imperial censure by the Interdictorial Commission. When the Freshet Revolt began, footnote 6, a freshet typically refers to a temporary rise in a river's water level due to melting snow in spring. The context in this case is unknown. Its cause was taken up by the artistic and cultural community of Paris. Propaganda pieces such as this were common at the time, and served as a means of recruitment and maintaining morale for the duration of the revolt. However, these pieces ultimately proved to be the downfall of their creators, as when the revolt was quashed by the newly purchased hordes of the Sunset Prince, his government sent about censoring its opponents. Artists such as this anonymous creator had their names stricken from historical records. Note the forgotterans of its key figures. The people is significant in that it actually survived this period of censor, as most works of its kind were ultimately destroyed by the commission when the Sunset Prince sold his kingdom to the writhing duke. Description The piece is ostensibly non-anomalous. It depicts a group of people, of varying age and appearance, storming a luxurious palace whilst engaged in combat with the massive entities dressed in ill-fitting blue military uniforms. The uniformed entities are clearly non-human. Their pale skin appears to have no natural orifices, with objects similar in appearance to speaker grills protruding from their mouths and black lenses from their eye sockets. A male, dressed in opulent robes and bearing a bejeweled scepter, stands on a palace balcony, surveying the scene. A shadowed figure stands behind him, barely visible from the viewer's perspective. The revolutionaries in the painting have had their faces obscured, as select pieces of the canvas are tarred with an unknown substance. The substance is also present in the bottom right corner of the work, where the artist's signature would traditionally be located. Attempts to restore the original painting have been unsuccessful, as the substance obscuring the subject's faces is resistant to all currently tested forms of paint removal. Item number 152. Commission Suppression Poster. Late End of Holes. Label. 
The popularization of oddities throughout the empire often caused excessive outpourings of luminescence, particularly among artistic communities. After Milan was subsumed, the Interdictorial Commission was tasked with identifying and preventing outbreaks before they occurred. Graphic designer Sarah Antoni worked closely with the commission on this campaign, and her work became well known throughout the empire. Her insistence on accurately portraying her subjects is displayed here. The rapturous glory on this outbreak victim's face was particularly effective. Description A non-anomalous poster. The image shows a man being escorted by two figures. Beams of light are emerging from each of his orifices. The figures, dressed in what appear to be hazmat suits fashioned out of leather and fabric, have the man by the arms and are walking him away. Text on the top and bottom of the poster reads, Don't be the hole in our defense. Citizens of the Empire, if you, a family member, or acquaintance begins to manifest a light behind the eyes, or notice a luminescence pouring forth from the nose or mouth, alert a member of the Interdictorial Commission immediately. Item number 1. Self-Portrait. Untitled. Label. The label on this piece has been highly damaged. The phrase, may it never return, is legible, but the rest of its content is unrecognizable. Description. The object is a highly photorealistic portrait. The subject is a middle-aged man wearing a security guard's uniform and holding a flashlight. His eyes are closed and his face is stretched into a wide grin. There are various lumps and bulges under the skin. Whilst no instance of movement has been recorded as of yet, viewers frequently claim that these deformations writhe when viewed from the edge of their vision. Thank you for listening to SCP-7584, A Brief History of Artwork in the Ten-Tongue Empire by Sobek109. If you enjoyed this SCP, please like and subscribe, and follow the link in the description of the SCP Wiki, and vote it up to support it and the SCP Wiki as a whole.